Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi everyone, welcome back to How Are You? The Wellbeing Podcast. This week's guest is my first doctor of the series. She's busting health myths on a weekly basis. She shares my passion for feeling good inside and out. Most importantly, she worked on the front line during the pandemic and she's currently working on cancer clinical trials. Wow. It's the fabulous Dr. Frankie Jackson Spence. Hello. Thank you for having me on. What a nice introduction. Oh, well, well deserved. Absolutely well deserved. I don't know how you do it all, I must admit. I Sometimes I don't know either, but I enjoy doing it all and I think that's the secret, really. Yeah, you're always smiling, <laughs> always smiling. My brother always says I'm like a swan. Like on the outside, I keep it together. I'm always smiling, but under the water, I am frantically pumping <laughs> away. <laughs> that's so funny do you know what we have that in common I think I'm the same it's a good skill to have for sure so we're going to talk lots about health and beauty we were talking about this last night um we're both really passionate about it obviously you're aware of my journey and finding out how my internal health was the wake-up call for me because before that I was really unhealthy and I was doing all sorts of diets and on this path to trying to be skinny because I thought that was the key to happiness so we're going to delve into all those sorts of topics because I think it's still such an important one I still think so many women are lost in this world of this false perception of what happiness and perfection is but before we do that I want to ask you how are you I'm good thanks for asking I feel like I spend all my days asking the patients how are you so it's quite nice to be asked. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine, actually. I'm, I'm good. I feel like this lockdown, thankfully, I've been allowed to stay in my current job. So I just feel really grateful for that, that I haven't been sent to work on the COVID areas, because I do think I have had an easier time than some of my colleagues. So I don't have anything to complain about. You did work on the front line for four months. How was that? I did. So um, this time last year, I was working in general practice as a foundation doctor. And obviously the pandemic basically evolved overnight. And I got an email on the Sunday night saying, you're starting in A&E tomorrow morning. So that was actually quite overwhelming. I'd never worked in an emergency department before. I was a new doctor. I didn't know the team. It was a new hospital. Um, So that was a complete wake up call for me. Um, And it was kind of a surreal experience um, because I was on this weird rotor working mainly nights or weekends or evenings and I kind of feel like I just kind of came out of my normal life did that for a bit and then now I've come back so it was tough but 
Like I said, I feel quite lucky that for me, that was contained to a four month period. You know, some of my colleagues that work in A&E and ITU have been doing this for over a year now. Mm. So for me, it's quite contained. Um, but I think for some people, it's it's much more of a struggle, the fact it's gone on so long. Mm, absolutely. And do you see a light at the end of the tunnel now this summer? I feel like everyone does, don't they? For sure, yeah. I feel like that's our coping mechanism. We always have to have something to look forward to. I remember in the summer, we all were saying, um, we can't wait till October. And someone created October as this light at the end of the tunnel. And I think it's just this human coping mechanism that we need to see an end in sight. But I think the vaccination program has been immense and, you know, we are seeing rates dropping. So, yeah, I do see a light at the end of the tunnel and that's definitely keeping me getting through day by day. Absolutely, me too. And the, th- and the thought just of the weather picking up again and just, yeah, that, look how pale I am. You can see in the video, look at me. <laughs> I look, I'm actually camouflaged with my fridge behind me. <laughs> I'm due I'm due a fake tan seriously oh my god I'm so embarrassed I'm normally so glammed for these things but this morning was just an absolute <laughs> nightmare um and you're so golden and glowing <laughs> so it's gonna be a right I contrast. am <laughs> I'm caked I'm caked <laughs> <laughs> so funny um so what made you become a doctor I can see you're so passionate about what you do it's honestly such an interesting story because I feel like this is the career for me and I think I suit it quite well. Um, But I would say that, you know, when I was 16 and you start making these decisions, I wasn't 100% set on being a doctor from a young age. You'll talk to a lot of doctors and they'll have this pivotal moment in their life really early on where something happened and they just sparked this passion for becoming a doctor. That didn't happen for me. I'm quite calculated. I'm quite, you know, thorough when I'm making decisions. And I just sat down when I was about 16 and thought, what do I like doing? Which was always science. And some teachers at school were like, Frankie, you're far too chatty to be like a lab researcher. (laughs) Why don't you consider medicine? So I did a bit of work experience. And my first ever work experience was when I was 16. And it was in a hospital with a gynae oncologist. So um, uh, an oncologist that deals with female health, like um, cervical cancer and things. And I just thought when I saw her at work, like what an amazing way to spend your days making such an impact to other people's lives. So it kind of went from there. Um, So I didn't have this like underlying burning desire to be a doctor for years. It was something that I researched and I just thought, yeah, I could do this. Um, But I would say it wasn't really until I actually started working as a doctor that I was sold that this was for me. Because you don't really know what it's going to be like until you get thrown into it. Mm, Absolutely. There's probably a lot of people that do, you know, study at university and then get to the actual hands-on job and it's not for them. I know know a few police officers who felt the same. So, yeah, you're right. I think in some ways, um, my kind of general appearance on Instagram, perhaps I glamorise medicine a little bit. It is a tough job and it's, you know, it's long hours. It's actually not that. Like when you're in the medical world being a doctor isn't this amazing achievement that you might get the re- that reception from like a family member, for example. Yeah. Um, and the hours are a long slog, like the, the benefits aren't that great. So I don't want to over glamorize it. But actually, I just think when you're spending your day doing a job, I just think it's such a privilege to have people open up to you the way they do and trust you to help them. It's so interesting that you say you think you glamorize it on social media. Would you say there's two sides to Frankie then? I think that I, like anyone, have 
down days or things that I don't like about certain things but I don't tend to share that so much on social media I try and keep my page quite uplifting educational and positive perhaps that's a downfall um, I just think if someone's having a bad day they don't always want to then come on and see someone else moaning I think there are people that do that really well and then you can see them and they relate to them and you think oh I'm glad I'm not the only one that feels like that but I think that you can't do everything on social media so I kind of just stick to being positive and educational but there are definitely downfalls so if anyone is watching this that's interested in a medical career definitely research it before you just jump into it thinking it's a glamorous life. No, do you know what? That's so important. And um, yeah, such an important message. And I I definitely agree with you with the whole social media thing. I think people come to your page. I come to your page to see a smile, to see like to learn, like it's infectious. But as long as you've got an outlet where when you do have your down days, I'm sure you have, you're like, you know, you're so... Uh, I know you've got so many friends, you've got your family, so I'm sure you open up to them. I use social media as a way to like let off steam. Uh, I wear my heart on my sleeve and my page, I I show my ups and downs, but I'm not a doctor trying to inform people, trying to reassure people. And I guess that's the difference. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what I was saying. Everyone has their own kind of niche on social media. Um, like there's only so much content you can put out in one day, isn't there? So um, you've got to kind of got to be selective with what you want to share. But um, no, I think people like you actually do that brilliantly. And I always see you apologizing for it. You I know, know. Sometimes you'll have a bad day and you think, uh, oh, sorry, should I be sharing this? And I think, no, loads of people will watch that and think, and I'm, I'm the same. I watch that and think it's not actually smooth sailing for everyone. Maybe it's a negative. I don't do that. But no, I, no, I don't I, think so. <laughs> Like I was saying, as long as you have an outlet where you, yeah. you when you are having your down days, you, you obviously know how to deal with them and let off steam, then it's, it's not a downfall at all. But do you know what as well? You saying I apologise, it's because I'm conscious of people coming to my page and going, oh God, she's moaning. Like what you were saying, you don't really want people to come to your page, people who have, might be having a bad day or people might be having a good day and the last thing they want to see is someone moaning. And that's why I apologise, because I'm conscious of that. But on the other hand, I mean, you can't please everyone, can you? And also, you've got to remember that people choose to consume your content. Mm. You know, I feel like we all apologise for what we're putting out there too much, but it, people choose to consume it. You know, if they don't like what you're saying, then they don't have to follow, they don't have to engage, they don't yeah. have to consume that. Um, I saw a really, a really interesting quote by quite a big Instagrammer recently saying, you wouldn't knock on someone's door and say you don't like what they're doing. Mm. I don't agree with your opinions. I don't agree with what you wore. I don't agree with what you said. Mm. You wouldn't knock on someone else's door and do that, but people come into our space and and criticize. So no, mm. you shouldn't apologize. <laughs> you know what? This happened to me last night. Uh, a, a follower, full on capital letters, exclamation mark, going mad because I shared a quote about mental health and how, you know, think twice before, you know, Meghan Markle with her, she's, Um, opened up about her mental health and feeling suicidal. And there was a quote that said, think twice before you call her an attention seeker uh, or a liar or, you know, a drama queen, because one of your family members or friends could see those comments. And if they are ever in a position where they feel like Megan does, they might not feel like they can come to you. So this quote basically embodied that in, in, in a few less words. And a follower 
disliked Megan as a person so much, even though she's never met her and this her, her opinion is based on tabloids. She went in on me. She took that frustration out on me saying that I'm accusing people of not being there for their family members and completely, you know, took the wrong end of the stick. And it was quite hard for me to, it almost ruined my evening because I felt like saying, this is my page, my opinions, my voice, my life. Please just take yourself somewhere else. If you don't agree with me, I'm happy for you to unfollow. And that's how I left it. But yeah, you're right. Like, you know. You've, everyone's got choices in life, don't they? Exactly. And and that brings me to choices in life. How do you feel as Frankie and as Dr. Frankie? Because I do see two people. Like I hope you don't mind me saying that. And I mean it in the nicest no, way possible. One, I don't know how you you do all your work and you run a social media page because that is like almost a full-time job in itself. But how do you feel about social media and the effects it's having on young people today? I always say you have a choice. Choose who you follow wisely. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Um, I think that, you know, young kids are growing up with social media and it's now where they turn to for everything, whether that be... A restaurant recommendation you know you wouldn't go to a new restaurant without looking at the Instagram now um but scarily a lot of young people are going to social media for health advice and mm. we all know what it's like when you're a young girl and you look up to an older girl that you admire and you believe what they say so I think there's a huge responsibility for anyone putting content out there on social media um just to take a step back and think this could actually change someone's life And the reason I feel like I have a duty as a doctor to step into that space and bust some of the health myths is because, you know, there's been surveys that have carried out that have said like 50% of young children go to social media for health advice. So I would rather my page be consistent and a place where they can turn to and think, oh, I want to know about contraception. Let's see what Dr. Frankie said, rather than perhaps going to an influencer or a personal trainer that has a lot of personal experience with for example, a contraception, but doesn't know how to relay that information in a non-biased and well-rounded way that lets um, that person consuming the information make an informed choice. Mm, So that's what we do as doctors. Like I'll often have a management plan in my head that I think is best for the patient, but I have to share the other options with the patient and kind of let them make an informed decision rather than saying, this is what I think you should do. Um, whereas on social media, when it comes to health, a lot of people are so fired up about their own personal experiences, which are usually bad, that they only give one side of the story. And that can actually be really damaging for some people. So I feel like there needs to be kind of more responsibility on social media. And particularly when it comes to health, I think we are seeing a rise in doctors on social media. And I think that's a really positive step. Mm, absolutely. I follow loads of doctors. I think it's so important. Um, but you know, I've been there, you know, I've, I've learned from my mistakes. Um, and I'm sitting here as nearly 29 year old, but it's, you know, it's the 14, 15, 16 year olds who are like, because you, because you're so glamorous, it works. And I think a 16 year old girl would want to follow you. But it worries me that they're so consumed in the Kardashians and reality stars that that's all they care about. And that's what worries me. Like, how do we break that? What worries me is that um, when I first got into kind of exercise, which was probably nearly 10 years ago now, 
the people that I was going to for advice were people posting content about how to exercise or how to eat, which is all fine. But the majority of the aims of doing that was, what am I going to look like at the end? So I think it's quite nice to have health Instagrammers like doctors or nutritionists or other qualified professionals in the area to talk about the benefits of doing those healthy things that go beyond what you look like. Mm. Because you'll see someone say, you know, you need to lose some body fat, which might be true. Here are the ways to do it. But that person consuming that content and that advice might then lose their period, for example, which we see quite commonly. So why they, while they might look healthier on the outside, what's going on internally does not correlate to that. So I think it's quite nice to have pages like mine, if I say so myself, that kind of talk more about what's going on inside rather than health as this thing that you can see. Mm. And I feel like for me, when I focused on the inside, it was a lot more sustainable because it was... How can I, there was less there was no restrict there was less restriction because when I focus on the outside it was all about right calorie deficit to the max exercise loads take you know take this fat burning tablet and you'll shred and you'll lose weight and you'll tone up and you'll look like this and it wasn't sustainable because I was starving and because I was had the shakes and my heart was pulsing because I had so much caffeine and you know, I'd have to run to the toilet sometimes on these tablets, like in the middle of a university lesson. Like it was just, yeah. and the toilet was like on the other side of the building. Like it was hell. I put myself through hell. I was miserable mentally, like just didn't feel good. Always sleeping, no energy. And I didn't reach my goals anyway, because I'm me and I'm not going to look like the person I was trying to look like, you know? Um, does it take for someone to go through all of that to wake up or can we can we stop this from happening before it does? Exactly. I think loads of us have been through that. Um, whereas we've got this younger audience where maybe we can teach them these principles of how to eat healthy and, you know, focus on what you're putting in rather than what you're taking out um, from a young age. They don't need to go through that. So like we've made them those mistakes for them. Mm. Um, but I think, you know, it's just things that like you said, you know, there's nothing wrong with having fat loss goals or aesthetic goals. I really don't, I don't judge anyone that's had them. I've had them. Um, there's no problem with that. But I also think they shouldn't be at the expense of your internal health. Like, you know, going to bed hungry and then not getting a good night's sleep is not good for your health. Sleep is one of the most neglected pillars of health. And we all kind of propagate this culture of get up early and go to the gym stay up late meal prepping and it's at the expense of sleep and sleep I would say is as important if not more important than diet and nutrition mm. um it can be argued by different professionals but um you know we neglect these other things or mm. you might be on this diet where yeah you're in the calorie deficit and you're losing fat but are you getting a good variety of nutrients your hair might go thin or you know your skin might go dry because you're not focusing on the health, you're focusing on the fat loss. Mm. There is so much focus on fat loss that people forget, like when they are, say, for example, looking at this beautiful picture of a, the celebrity that they love and they're looking at their hair and their skin and their tan and all these things, there is such a focus on fat loss and weight loss and like 
getting a small waist, uh, thigh gap, that they forget like what it takes to be healthy. Like fat loss isn't necessarily, isn't the key to health overall, is it? No, exactly. I mean, like I said, if some people, there is a place for fat loss in their health, but that's a completely mm. different topic. Yeah. But, um, you know, you can see someone on the cover of a magazine who looks this perfect visual image of what you think health looks like. And, you know, you don't know what's going on in their mind with their mental health. You don't know how well they're sleeping. You don't know what their diet's like. They might have a, you know, inflammatory bowel disease that you can't see. Mm. They might have a mental health issue. They might have an eating disorder. And there can be loads of things about that person's health that you can't see. Mm. So it, I find it really strange that we have images that we aspire to be like rather than kind of internal Lifestyles. metabolic parameters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's hard for these magazines and people to depict health, um, a healthy lifestyle through an image, I guess. But they're trying now, aren't they? They're 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 getting all shapes and stuff. So- well, not everyone. They're they're starting to sort of vary. But do you feel like it's going from one extreme to the other? How comfortable? And if you're not comfortable answering this question, that's absolutely fine. But do you feel like it's going from six pack to a size twenty or you know, are you okay with this? Like, what's your views? So it's a really interesting argument. And within the medical profession, people will have really conflicting opinions on this. And whatever you say is going to offend someone. Mm. Um, I think that I have no issue with us celebrating a range of bodies and sizes and things like that. And I do think, like we said, sometimes larger people who ex- externally may look unhealthier because of our kind of ingrained social constructs um, may actually be healthier than the thin person, Mm. like what we said about sleep and gut health and mental health and things. But my issue is that I think sometimes brands and magazines are doing that not because their motivation is to help people, but their motivation might be sometimes to stir up a conflict and sell more. And fit and fit in and go with the trend. Exactly. So sometimes when they go to the extreme, I feel like they're trying to create a conversation that gets their magazine or their product sold rather than mm. the genuine motivation for doing that being mm. about inclusivity. And, and that's mm. uncomfortable for me um, because mm. I think sometimes the public are like, this is great but they don't really know why it's great. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's such an amazing point. It's so true. And I, and I can feel that f- through some of the covers and some of the things I've seen that it's just like, you know, sh- show us that person's lifestyle then, you know, like explain to people reading this why, you know, why that person's, you know, the front cover of your magazine in gym clothes, you know, yeah. tell us what she loves to do and, and I don't know how brands can portray, you know, lifestyle. I feel like some brands are doing a good job of this, particularly now since using influencer marketing. So they're getting real women that are real men that wear the products um, or use the products to showcase them. So you get much more diversity naturally through that. Um, and I think it should be, is this person someone who actually aligns to my brand? Um, mm-hmm. Is this the sort of person that is actually wearing the clothes? rather than the extreme ends of the spectrum. That's just what I think it should be focused on more. I think these extremes, whether using someone extremely skinny or extremely overweight, 
um, is more trying to prove a point rather than actually being representative of the brand because the majority of people are actually in the middle. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I feel like such an in-betweener, in-the-middle person. And I don't feel like women in between have been represented at all for a while. So it's a really interesting no. point. There's one thing that that bugs me on social media so much and I want to know what you think about this, but what I eat in a day irritates me so much because I know there's people, people ask me, what do you eat in a day? I refuse to share it. I don't think it's right because I'm aware of how different we all are and I don't really want people to eat like, like me every single day. Like I, I think it's great to share recipes and food inspiration, but to show exactly what you're eating when we're all different heights, shapes, sizes, we all have different things going on. Just, oh, what do you think? Um, I agree with you. I think in some ways I like the idea behind it because there might be someone that has deprived themselves of that biscuit at work for weeks and they see someone they really resonate with eating the biscuit and they might think, okay, if they've got issues with their their eating habits they might think that maybe this is okay and I and I think the intention behind a lot of people posting it is good and that's mm-hmm. what they're trying to achieve my issue with it is exactly what you said a diet for one person is not the right diet for another um as you said we're all different heights and weights and activity levels and you know even things like um if you have irritable bowel syndrome I might say to you eat five fruit and veg a day but that might cause loads of pain for you because it flares up your symptoms so that might not be good advice um so I think it is really personal and I think if you look at any of the top nutritionists or dietitians that are actually accredited on Instagram they're not sharing that information if it was the right thing to be sharing they're the people that should be sharing it Mm. Um, and I think that says a lot Mm. there's a lot of taking things with a pinch of salt isn't there absolutely and there's a complete bias to it you know if I I sometimes share what I'm eating on Instagram and it's usually something that's not regular for me like if I've made some impressive poached eggs that I do once or twice a month or a lasagna that's not cooked through (laughs) I thought that was funny to show i for context, um, I posted this uh, video of me who made this really impressive, impressive lasagna and I cut into it and you can just hear the dry pasta. <laughs> the pasta didn't cook. <laughs> that really, really made me laugh. <laughs> but those moments are important as well, aren't they? Exactly. So in that way, I think it's kind of funny, you know, I'm not all perfect, look what's gone wrong. Yeah. I don't think it's really helpful for the person. It's, you know, when we were talking about what content should you be consuming, that kind of content really isn't that helpful for you. I mean, I've watched some and I'm like, if I ate that, I'd be starving. If I ate that, I wouldn't be able to reach my goals because it's too much food for someone like me. But because I'm so um aware of me and my makeup because I've done so much research into myself and I've I, I you know I've got a nutritionist at the moment that I'm working with and I've invested in my health so that I can reach my goals and um so for me I can I can watch them and go oh gosh yeah that's nice what she eats in the day but I know that there will be people going right I'm going to Tesco's right now and I'm going to get exactly those things. And it's those people that I worry about. I wonder if we learn more about nutrition at school, whether that would be the, f- the best thing. Yeah, I think I completely think we should be learning about that at school. And I also think doctors at medical school should have a bit more education on, on nutrition. Cause you know, we, we get like one or two lectures when you see nutritionists um, kind of, 
backfire against doctors saying you're not actually qualified to give this advice. I'd say that's quite true. Um, wow. I think the, the skills we get in the medical professional in the medical profession is that we learn how to critique the evidence. So I can pick up a nutrition paper and I can say whether this is valid and I have transferable skills, but that takes intrinsic motivation for me being interested in that topic to to do that. But I, I wasn't actually taught that, if that makes sense. That baffles me so much because like, we eat food every single day. What we eat has a direct effect on our health. Like, you know, a doctor can, could help and cure a lot of people based on changing their diet, in my opinion. Correct me if I'm wrong. I absolutely agree. And I think there's this rise of lifestyle medicine, so preventative um, preventative ways that patients can help themselves rather than me prescribing a pill. And we do mm. do that. So, you know, if I have a patient that comes in and they're newly diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, I'll say to them, go away and exercise more. Here's some things you could change in your diet and come back and see me in two weeks. And some patients make enough change in that two weeks that I don't have to prescribe them medication. Mm. Um, but that's because I'm interested. So I've gone away and learn about nutrition. I've done, I know I've, mm. it's not a nutrition course, but I've done like a personal training, qualification, mm. that kind of thing. And I read these things, but it requires the doctor's intrinsic motivation to actually mm. educate themselves. Um, you'll find some doctors out there that will say, give advice based on their own personal experience. So they might say, oh, this diet worked for me. You should try it. And that's not really what we should be doing. Oh God. Yeah. I, I, I think I think the country's missing missing a trick there with the whole nutrition education. That's That's my, especially when you say that about doctors, you know, like Pete, you know, we go to doctors for advice, you know, you, I don't know. I just, yeah, it worries me. What I would say though is um, everyone, you know, a doctor can't be a specialist in everything. So why well, I think if you're not going to educate doctors better on nutrition, which is fine, there needs to be the provisions of referring easily to a nutritionist. Mm. So it's fine if we don't learn it, but we can easily refer you to a nutritionist who is mm. an expert in this and has done a three-year degree on this. Mm. Uh, but unfortunately, there's lack of funding. So, you know, we can yeah. refer to nutritionists or dietitians if you have a specific problem like inflammatory bowel disease or Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, for example, rather than I can't just refer someone that just wants to learn. Mm. Yeah, and, and, it, and it sounds so expensive, doesn't it? Having yeah. a nutritionist or seeing a nutritionist and puts a lot of people off so then they go right well I'm just going to go on Instagram and just she looks healthy so I'll just copy her and that's what's happening yeah. um but I definitely think we need to start in schools like I know they some schools have their little allotments and kids learn about where food comes from and you know I, but uh, I, I think that's pretty much as far as it goes I think you know I could have done with the knowledge you know, in even if they just you studied it in high school, just uh, you know, like they did PSHE. Did you ever do that where you learn about? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I can't even remember what you learn in there. That's what I mean. I did, I think I always had a supply teacher as well. It was just like an I, hour, I remember learning around. about like contraception. Yeah. <laughs> so the teachers about nutrition. Yeah. My school actually, um, when I was in sixth form, we had university cooking lessons oh. where they taught you how to make batch cooking and things when you get to uni which I thought was quite cute that's really good that's a good teacher a teacher with a good idea there I learned how to make a Victoria sponge and I ended up eating the whole thing before I got home so <laughs> <laughs> um uh, we did do a, a world food 
like month and we had to pick a, a country and I picked Thailand and everyone was like, what? That's before Thai food was the thing. And I thought I was so cultured. Like I made a pad thai and everyone was like, what the hell? People were just making like margarita pizza and their country was Italy. And I thought I was well showing off. I'm so, I'm actually cringing at the thought of it. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. If you like this podcast, then why not check out one of our other amazing Create podcasts? If you just want a good laugh, then check out The Weekly Roast. Listen, listen, bitch. Oh, listen, make, make, make an entrance. I'm a week off sugar. Bill is uh, I, will, I will fly <laughs> to the UK and I will cut you both up. <laughs> For the more cultured ones among you, join Laura Wright for Music In My Life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's go. <laughs> I'm so let's glad go. no one can see me right now because I'm doing, I was doing some weird dance moves. Yeah, nothing then, yeah. <laughs> or maybe it's just a good goss you're after. Georgie Porter and Sharon Carpenter are your go-to girls on Loose Lips. So it's got mine... girth, though. It's got girth. Yeah. Mine, mine... mine is quite spindly and, and flaccid. This is like long. Just three more podcasts to feast your ears on. Find them wherever you found this podcast. So I want to move on to mental health. Obviously, how are you? The Wellbeing Podcast. Um, it used to be called Growing Up Female. It's now, how are you? Because, you know, I wanted to focus on health as a whole and mental health being so important at the moment. What is the link between mental and physical health? Do they affect each other? Absolutely. They definitely affect each other. Mental health in itself affects your mood fine but you know we have patients for example who show signs of depression and this if i asked you to just uh, the general public to describe what depression is they'd say things like um oh someone who's low in mood someone who's feeling down someone who's more sad than normal actually the medical criteria for depression has physical symptoms and signs in there as well so having depression can affect 
your sleep pattern, particularly waking up early in the morning. It can affect your appetite, whether that be under eating or overeating. It can affect um, your libido and your sex drive. So mental health and physical health come so hand in hand more than people realize. And, you know, I work, I work in a cancer clinic and it's hard to prove because you can't really do trials on this, but you definitely sometimes see patients who give up mentally and then their scans and their cancer might look like it's actually doing better, but they deteriorate. So they get weaker or they might not live as long. And, but we can't explain it based on what their cancer's doing. Um, but you, I mean, you, I suppose you could explain it by what their mind is doing. Um, wow. and I think there's an element of being able to give up, but um, it's, uh, it's, it's really difficult to kind of quantify that because it's hard to measure, isn't it? For sure. And, and I think that's the whole thing with mental health is that it's so hard to, it's not a physical, tangible thing. So people, some, just a lot of people still can't get their, their head around it quite literally because, and, and it, like you say, and it's when people say as well, you know, when, um, like, you know, someone's nan might die and then the granddad passes away a month later and he, he died of a broken heart. There's no, you know, they, there's no explanation. He's just passed away. Like for me, that's because of his mind. Like he can't live without her and it can really, you can see someone deteriorate when they lose a loved one. Yeah, I think mental health has a massive um, effect on motivation and, and behaviours. But also if we get onto mental health, like defined conditions like um bipolar disorder or schizophrenia for example which are mm. defined mental health conditions we know that uptake into cancer screening programs is less we know that access to health service is less so sort of indirectly having that mental health condition um means that you're more likely to have a poorer prognosis from a disease you might get or you might be more likely to get a disease so i think mental health can massively affect uh, affect your physical amazing so when they say that exercise and being physically active being almost a form of medicine, how true is that? I think that is slightly a broad statement in that okay. sometimes, um, you know, sometimes you might have high blood pressure and exercising well and eating well can massively help your hypertension, so blood pressure, but you might also need a tablet. So sometimes it's like an adjunct to common medicines and traditional mm. medicine um but you know exercise has so many benefits on your health that you can't see it has improved mental well-being so we see reduced rates of anxiety depression mental health disorders in patients that exercise regularly it has good um impacts on your brain health lower risk of alzheimer's dementia neurodegenerative disease it strengthens your joints it strengthens your bones so lower risk of osteoporosis and fractures the common one that everyone knows about is it helps your heart so it mm. reduces your risk of getting heart attacks and diabetes all these things that you know in that list I've just spoken for about two minutes mm. I haven't once mentioned what you look like mm. um, there's so many benefits to exercise so in that way it is uh, it is a medicine because mm. it helps your metabolic parameters on, and your health inside on so many levels um, but I wouldn't say that I think it's very dangerous when you kind of substitute just exercise or substitute just diet yeah. as a cure. It's not a cure. Yeah, for yeah. sure. 
understand that it's, it's good that, to make that really clear um but also that you've pointed out how amazing a good diet and exercise can you know improve your chances of just a better happier healthier life life longer life potentially yeah Exactly. It has been linked to increased life expectancy. But you know, when you've done an exercise, you've exercised in the morning, um, I feel like it makes you more motivated to do healthier habits throughout the day. So you might pick a healthier, more nutritious option for breakfast or lunch, or um, you might have a bit more energy that day. So you might do another health habit that you've been putting off, like booking in for your smear test or something. I feel Mm. like the mental benefits from exercise kind of has this knock on effect for other healthy habits. You know, someone who's slaving away in the gym or running might think, you know what, I'm going to give up smoking. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. God, I'm like that person. I did my first workout in like, cause I, I've had a lot of changes to my diet. Um, cause I was experiencing bloating and by four o'clock so lethargic and um so I had a lot of change to my diet um some supplements um in more supplements included into my diet and I needed about three weeks for like my body to just adjust because like some days I had a bit of a headache I think maybe like maybe it's just withdrawal from sugar or I don't know but I didn't feel like I had the energy for about three weeks and then this week I felt so good I can't even tell you. I've got this new, uh, when I say diet, it's not like like some weird, crazy thing. It's just like normal food, but in the right quantities for me as a person, specifically for me. And then the supplements that I, I, I my body really struggles to absorb, even from food. So that's another thing. Some people's bodies don't absorb certain nutrients that well. And um, so that was really interesting. And um and I did my first workout this week and I had, the, I got, I, I finished the workout. I got Macy dress. I went to the park, another long walk. We played. I was so much more fun. Like I was literally getting involved in the climbing frames and everything. Never done that before. And I ate really well that day. You're so right. It just made me feel like a superwoman. It honestly did. I know that sounds really dramatic. So I feel like the other week, I'm actually studying for some medical exams at the moment. And I was having this week where everything was annoying me. Everything felt like this pile of work was unachievable. It was mounting up. I felt like I was snappy. I felt like um, with patience, I was maybe slightly less patient with things that I might be have been more patient about the week before. <laughs> and I thought, why am I like this this week? And I realized I hadn't exercised. And that was the only thing that was different. It's amazing. I had not exercised. Mm. You need to let off steam. It it does. It just, it it like, it gets you pumped, but then it just like brings an element of calm to your life as well, doesn't it? Where you, it allows you to distress. And I think it's like, I don't know how long you exercise for half an hour or 45 Mm. minutes or whatever. It's that time. I don't think about anything else. I think about oh, how long is this going to go on for? Or, oh, I'm really breathless. Or, oh, this isn't hurting me as much today. It's like a bit, it's kind of like mindfulness because you are completely present in that activity. Yeah, you can only focus on that. And it's time for you to work on you, which is really, really nice. It's time for you that's working on you that you don't feel guilty about. So for example, when I'm swamped in work, sometimes I feel a little bit guilty if I like spend an hour getting myself ready, like doing my hair and makeup. I'm a bit like, 
that's not a good use of my day to day, um, even though I enjoy doing it. Whereas that hour for exercise, I think that was a productive hour for me. Mm, I need to remember this. That's a tip for me because I'll, I exercise used to be on my priority list and that I would say was when I felt my best and healthiest and fittest. Now, obviously being a mum, it's just got, it's just keeps dropping, you know, to the bottom of the list. Um, but I need to bring it back up because I, I genuinely think when I give myself that time and I feel my best from the inside out, I, I am a better mum too. Do you feel like that as a doctor? Absolutely. If I have a day where I'm tired I haven't slept well or I've had a really busy weekend or I'm not really looking after my nutrition or I'm not really exercising. I definitely find that I'm less efficient. So it takes me longer to see patients or do the admin and things. And I definitely find, I don't know if I should admit this, but I am probably a little bit less patient with people. Um, Something that you might take the time to explore or something that you might, sometimes patients will say things that are, can be, frustrating because you might have already spent a long time explaining that to them or something and it's just human but I felt like I'm a little bit less tolerant if I'm not feeling good in myself Mm. Mm. I'm exactly the same I can relate to that so much do you think it can be something as simple as drinking more water or including exercise into your life um, eating more veg these small changes do they really have as big as an impact as some people say, you know, there could be someone listening to this that are like feeling groggy or lacking energy. Could it be as simple as those li- those things? Yeah, I think that the kind of secret to having an overall healthy life is those small little things that you consistently do. Going to the gym once every two weeks and bashing out a workout, it makes you feel amazing, but you do it twice a month is not going to be as beneficial for you as those tiny little daily changes, whether that be adding in an extra portion of fruit and veg or trying to increase your fiber each day or making sure you get eight hours of sleep. Those like little daily habits that you consistently do, that's what counts. Mm, Yeah. And I think that's what people forget. They think it's this massive mountain that they've going to have to climb in order to to feel better, but it actually isn't. I always um, think it's interesting when people say to me, I'm going to be healthy on Monday. Or I'm going to be, I'm going to be healthy in the new year. And I always think, but what is it that you're going to change? Because usually it's that they're going to change everything. They're going to stop drinking alcohol. They're going to cut out sugar. They're going to go to the gym every day. And it's a really unsustainable changes because it's a massive shift in what they know as their current lifestyle into this healthy lifestyle. Whereas you'd be better not cutting out sugar, but maybe doing a few smaller changes day to day that just become part of your healthy life like Mm. exercise for me is just something that's in my weekly routine it's not something Mm. some weeks I exercise more than others based on other commitments but it's not something I have to say I'm gonna get back into exercise Mm. because exercise is just part of my lifestyle and has been for 10 years Mm. I need to get to that point I've I feel like I've slowly you know nailed everything else but it's just the exercise because my time oh but like we were saying, that time is productive time. So I can't, I can't look at that as like, oh, well, do you know what? I'm just going to have to do that instead of the exercise when actually I need to keep reminding myself how important that exercise is. And that's what I'm working on at yeah. the moment. You touched on fiber. 
I know we've got about 10 minutes left of this episode. It's, I could talk to you all day because I want to learn and learn and learn. So I hope everyone listening is the same. But you touched on fibre. And I think fibre is something that's underestimated. We hear about it. And I know doctors stress it. Nutritionists stress the importance of fibre. But in a nutshell, can you tell me how important fibre is for us as human beings? And why aren't we getting enough? Fibre is one of the most important nutrients. We all focus on carbs, fat, protein particularly protein a lot of people on instagram love protein and it's often at the um, expense of not getting enough fiber we know that in the uk most people only get 50 percent of the recommended daily fiber per day fiber has been linked to slowing down your sort of digestion so you've got more time to absorb the nutrients from food keeping you fuller for longer helping you have regular bowel motions And it's also, if you think about that's day-to-day things that you might feel, but long-term, not getting enough fibre in your diet also increases your risk of Mm. getting bowel cancer. Wow. There you go. Like, it's all about the long-term, isn't it? It's all about thinking long-term, not not doing, oh, I'm going to do this, this crazy diet for two weeks that I can lose you know, a stone, it's about looking at your life uh, as a whole and thinking long-term because the damage it could be doing to your body is, you know, it's terrible. And and yeah, I think people need to talk about it more and more because I definitely forgot about my internal organs when I went on a crazy sort of probably four-year fad diet. Oh God, frenzy. It wasn't until I had like a, a test with a doctor and he, and he said, you know, you've got quite a lot of visceral, visceral fat and I had fatty liver. But his advice to me was you just need to lose weight. And it didn't go any further than that. There was no advice on how to do that. And I think that's another thing that's lacking. And I know the government are, are investing a lot of money now into supporting people through weight loss, not just because not because of the appearance, sorry, not, ju- not just because it's not about appearance. It's about health. Exactly. And on that note, I really want people to know that um, the benefits of exercise that you get, such as better blood sugar control and reduced risk of diabetes or lowered blood pressure, so reduced risk of blood pressure problems, um, those benefits are still there at every BMI. So even if you're on that weight loss journey for whatever motive, you can't have a bad workout. So even though you might not have got a PB or you might not have lasted 40 minutes of your workout, you only lasted 20 or you might not have run as fast as you normally do or lifted a weight that was as heavy. The metabolic things that are going on in your body, the benefits are there, even if you're not losing weight. So I don't Mm. want people to be disheartened if they're on this long journey. I think it's stop thinking about the end goal and start thinking about the positive things that are going on on your inside every time you decide to exercise yeah love that um so to round up this episode I wanted to ask you firstly if there are any tips you had for anyone listening who might be struggling with their physical or and both could be both mental health there are so many things you can do I think the first step that you can do to change your life to improve your mental health or your physical health is to start prioritizing your sleep most people don't get enough sleep Most people don't get eight hours. They might get into bed for eight hours, but they're not getting eight hours sleep. And getting enough sleep every night will benefit you mentally and physically. Um, So that's probably my 
biggest tip if you're going to change one thing in your life it would be your sleep amazing not a lot of people talk about sleep so I love that last question what piece of advice would you give your younger self I love this question I've got two pieces of advice the first is to only take advice from people that you want to end up like because people will always have comments about what you're doing or suggestions of how you should be doing things differently but unless you aspire to be like them don't take their advice And the second piece of advice is that anyone that you look up to, anyone that's successful, probably will be giving off a vibe that they're working all the time. We've got this really big kind of hustle culture at the moment where we're working all the time, we're busy, busy, busy. Don't neglect self-care and rest. And I saw a quote on social media recently that was, instead of saying you did nothing at the weekend, why don't you phrase it as, I had a weekend to myself. I took a mental break, I did the washing, I didn't go out, I didn't socialise. And I think that's something that I kind of wish I'd learned a bit younger, that you don't have to work all the time, you just have to work smarter. And self-care definitely comes into that. Amazing. Thank you so much for being such a great guest. It's been lovely speaking to you and lovely seeing your beautiful face. Thank you so much for having me on. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated Roland Garros in years. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to challenge their legacy on the clay courts? Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.